to Opera Offstage. I'm Jessie. And I'm Michelle. And today we are going to be talking about our musical pet peeves. All the things that in being a singer and being a music student have really ground on our nerves. And from our years, we've we've got a couple. Yeah, I'm honestly already like so <laughs> triggered. <laughs> and we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> we also have some excellent write-ins from you guys that we're very, very excited to share. But before we get into that, we have a couple of announcements. All right, guys. So we have been telling you for a while that we have something spicy in the works. And we are very, very excited to announce that come September, we will be launching a Patreon for Opera Offstage. We're really excited about this because, you know, all of our tiers are very affordable in light of COVID and in light of the fact that we're all musicians. Everything's very affordable and you guys are actually going to get so much bonus content so many goodies you're really going to get a lot of bang for your buck so in next week's episode we'll break down a little bit more details on what you guys can get excited about and what to look forward to but you know we really appreciate the community that we've already built you know every time we get a nice dm or comment or you share with us that you're listening to our podcast jesse and i sob together and (laughs) we just have a lot of fun doing this and you know we're really glad that you guys are along for the ride so if you'd like to support us in september by being a patron you should do that and like i said you're going to get a lot of goodies in return yeah it's going to be exciting it's going to give us a lot of opportunity to actually share some other stuff with you that we can't really do on the podcast and we're very very excited to do so yeah And then, you know, if you're a fan of the podcast, whether you've been with us since the beginning or are just tuning in today, we would really appreciate if you popped over to your Apple Podcasts app and left us a review. (laughs) Part of the reason we always ask for a review is because it really actually does help us. It helps people find us. It boosts our ranking. When you type in opera and podcasts, it puts us higher on the list and more likely that people will find us. So leave us a review. We really appreciate it. Once again, we basically sob every time. So... (laughs) I thought that it would be really fun to start off this episode with a little pet peeve themed would you rather. And if you know from previous episodes when we've debated whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich, Jesse and I tend to get pretty heated (laughs) and divisive about things like this. So uh, Jesse, why did you uh, start us off? I don't even know what you mean. I was cool, (laughs) calm and correct during the hot dog situation. Okay, but also, like, our beef with Beverly Sills. Like, come on. (laughs) Fair enough. Our friendship was in peril, Jesse. All right. So, would you rather be... This is a little more of a student question. Would you rather be next to someone who's constantly tapping their pen or someone who forgets their pen every time they're in class? Ew. (laughs) You're Um, already upset. I already knew that, like, asking about pens and pencils would upset you. I know. I'm... Um, I think I almost feel like somebody not bringing their pen would bug me more only because like when somebody next to me doesn't have their pen or pencil, I am like so obsessed with that fact because I'm constantly anticipating that they're going to ask me for my pencil. So I start like writing things down faster because I know they're going to ask me for my pencil. They're doing the awkward like look over. You know what I mean? And it just, I don't know why it's something that makes me like so antsy. <laughs> uh, I knew this one would get you. <laughs> so I think that I would take the the tapping. At least I would hopefully be able to like zone out. And like, obviously they're not going to tap 
if we're performing and that's really all that matters if they're tapping their pen in class like i can get over it but oh my god wow i'm already like stressed (laughs) what would you pick i feel like i'm really unbothered by either because let me let me let you in on a secret i rarely have more than one or two pens or pencils on me so i just do not give people my pens or pencils because i cannot afford to well that's (laughs) nice i have an army of pens and pencils so people constantly ask me (laughs) and i'm way too nice to not (laughs) i would probably actually choose the person not having a pen or a pencil because like i said it's honestly not going to affect me too much the tapping i think might be really distracting there's a certain point where if i can't tune it out i will start grinding my teeth Mm -hmm. so i think i'm the opposite only because nobody can ask me for my pencil i have nothing i have nothing to give you oh okay Here's one. <laughs> All right. So let's say, Jesse, that you have to practice or warm up. Let's say like this is prior to an important audition. Mm-hmm. And there's only, in theory, one practice room available left. Would you rather take the last available practice room where people are audibly hooking up next to you? Or would you take the practice room where either the food smell or like the B.O. of the person prior in that practice room was so is so pungent that like the humidity literally sticks to you. Which one would you pick? I give you such a softball comparatively. (laughs) Oh, but this is also easy for me. I choose the one next to the people hooking up. That's funny. I would be so viscerally uncomfortable. It does. That literally doesn't even bother me. I would be like I would crying be so hard. You would you would 100% be getting a text from me where I'd be laughing about it. But that's way easier to deal with than smell. Yeah, I think that I would pick that too only because I wouldn't want to go into my audition like also smelling like BO or food smell, you know? Very true. That would be that Yeah, would make I just feel more I honestly am so unperturbed by that because it's not like that didn't happen in our music building. I I have never experienced this. And so I think that if I heard people getting it on next to me while I'm trying to focus for an audition, I think I would literally have like a mental breakdown. I would be like so traumatized <laughs> and in like the worst headspace going in. So that that is why I would pick the BO. <laughs> I don't think I would find it funny at all. Uh. Yeah, see, BO is not funny. But telling people later that there were people hooking up to you while you warmed up is a little funny. That, I can make that into a funny story. That is that is a good good story for future yeah there's nothing fun about like oh i went into this room and it smelled so bad i wanted to vomit that's true gotta pick your battles uh i have one more for you would you rather have a co-lead who constantly upstages you (laughs) or is so close to missing the entrance that they have to run to their mark every time (gasps) (laughs) oh no my anxiety could never (laughs) they're not going to but they will have to sprint on stage regardless of how gentle the scene is. Oh, no. <laughs> I am so upset. <laughs> I feel like you're just asking these questions that are, like, just particularly anxiety-inducing to me because you know me. Oh, yeah. I also know you're incredibly polite, so you'd always be trying to deal with it in the nicest way possible. Yes. I would rather have somebody try to upstage me in the hopes that it would be obvious that that's what they were trying to do. And then it would just be like, yikes for them. <laughs> Always wondering whether or not they're going to be on stage with me when I need them there is the worst thing I've ever thought about. So I'm definitely going to go with the first. 
Well, also sprinting on stage would ruin the ambiance <laughs> of a lot of shows. I know I would laugh and then like also just be so stressed. And then, uh, you know, watching somebody sprint on stage when I'm already nervous about them missing would probably make me miss my first line. I would be so oh, distracted yeah. and upset. Um, I had one that was, yeah. that was similar. Would you rather be performing a role where your duet partner is just miserably underprepared or... Uh-huh be performing with a duet partner who's very prepared but critiques your choices diction blocking etc the second one 100 percent. i'm i can hate that person for the rest of their life but i cannot deal with someone who doesn't know what they're doing <laughs> yeah i guess like for me it would depend on where we were in the in the process for a person being unprepared because if it's like first music rehearsals and like this person just like doesn't have it together i'm gonna be nice and give them the benefit of the doubt by the end of the show that they'll probably pull it together to which i would maybe pick that because i could like kind of help them out but yeah i don't know somebody like when somebody oversteps their bounds especially when you're working with so closely with somebody it's like you're the only two people on stage and this person like has something to say about every single choice you make i think that that would drive me bonkers yeah i don't know that one's that one's a draw for me Mm, i i feel pretty secure in my choice because i've i've been the person who's dealt with somebody who's not been prepared and it's it's just no fun and there's nothing you can do like there's no control over that situation you can try and help them as much as you want but yeah oh okay two more one would you rather be in a show where the director is not courteous of your time whatsoever so he keeps you for hours extra calls you for rehearsals you don't need to be in or would you rather be in a show where there is not nearly enough rehearsal time and the stage manager is the only person who knows what's going on at any given point oh i'd rather be called to rehearsals i don't need to be at i'll find something to do yeah i think so too but it is really annoying when you like are technically done like your part's done at like even like eight or nine and the rehearsals till 11 that's that's when when it t- starts to kill me because you're like, oh, my God, it's still I'm not going to be home for another 30 to 60 minutes. And I still have homework to do, like if you're still in school and that's like where it's crazy. But yeah, also not having enough rehearsal time is so stressful. So I don't know. I think I would agree with you. Yeah, I just much, much rather be stuck doing nothing at a rehearsal than I would be worrying that we hadn't rehearsed enough at all. It is really funny, though, when you're in a show and, like, you do feel like the only person who ever has a, gr- a grip on what's happening is your stage manager, which, like, even if a show is prepared, usually that's still the case. <laughs> yeah, I was to say, I was like, the stage manager still is the only person who knows what's going on. <laughs> like, don't ever be confused. That's true. Stage managers, we love you. Thank you, Five. We're going to do their tell-all soon. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Ooh, I don't know if I want that because... We'd all get roasted literally so bad. Oof. Okay. Anyways, last one. Jesse, would you rather <laughs> be performing in a small ensemble where the only other person on your part doesn't have their music? Or would you per- rather perform in an opera where your conductor's beats slash tempo changes are just not clear whatsoever? I feel like I've been in both of these situations. Uh-huh. So which one are you going to be in today? <laughs> uh- I think the small ensemble one would be easier to deal with. That's true. There's less at stakes, maybe? Yeah. Well, I mean, the presumption here is that if I'm in that opera, I've I've got something by myself where it's going to be more of a problem, like more embarrassing. 
that it's not right if something happens. Whereas in a small ensemble, I don't feel like ensemble music I'd have... I mean, there is tricky ensemble music, there's no doubt about that, but I feel like I'd have a hard, easier time holding my own there than I would if I just could not tell what a conductor was doing. I think the thing that bugs me about the first scenario is, like, I think it's, it's for me, it's the same thing as somebody having to borrow your pencil. I would just be so consumed by the fact that they don't have their music and have no idea what's going on. Like, if they were the only other person seeing this, I would eventually go in to just tune them out try to sing out our part louder so to like anchor in but oh my gosh that would just like I can't even imagine if I were to wake up in the middle of the night sweating it would be because I dreamt that I was at a rehearsal and forgot my music for a concert or something I know no other horror (laughs) more than that (laughs) uh hate so your real problem is just your inability to ignore other people's problems yeah basically (laughs) Love that for me. But we had somebody submit. So now we're going to read some of your submissions. That relates to this would you rather. So we had somebody submit and they said, you know, it's going to be good when they say I got a story for y'all. I was in a new music choir, which already new music. Okay. And this guy never brought a binder to rehearsal. The music was always available at the front desk, but he never grabbed his own or at least seldom did so. He usually looked off his friend in the choir. Finally, at our last concert of the season, he does get a binder, but somehow he didn't get the music for this 23-minute, really sparse Morton Feldman piece that consisted entirely of humming. So, of course, he just made it up the whole time. I had to ignore him as best I could to focus on my part. Bastard. (laughs) Honestly, like, the balls on that kid, though. It's mind-blowing i just like i'm telling you like i would cry if i came to a concert and didn't have a music for a 23 minute piece like i would just be beyond myself and so the fact that this dude's just like yep but also there's a 23 minute piece that's just humming oh you there's no way there's no way i'm surprised he honestly even sang here's a fun fact i'm bad at humming How are you bad at humming? It was like a weird problem I had. Listen, we don't need to get into the details. Just know that to be true. I'm very confused, though. How does one be bad at humming? (laughs) Just is like, I am unable to speak on it at this time. What do you what do you mean? I'm bad at it. No, I'm not. I'm not bad at it anymore. But like when they used to when choir directors and stuff used to be like, hey, can you hum the part? I didn't know how to hum high for a really long time. I can't explain to you why it was so difficult for me at the time. It's like when I used to have trouble doing lip trills, too. Like, it was just a weird moment where my body physiologically did not know how to handle it. I can hum now. I think it's because I wasn't thinking of it like singing, to be honest. Anyway, it's unimportant to this. I just wanted you to know. Well, I have a funny humming story. And not to be like, you're not good at humming? Well, guess what? I'm great at humming. One time, I know you're great at humming. You hum your parts in the hall all the time. <laughs> but I think one of the weirdest, I don't even know if well, I should classify this as like career advice, but I was in a class in grad school where it was like, somebody tell you to become a professional hummer? Genuinely. No, no, no. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm not even Bro. kidding you. I was seeing the, the Bacchianus and you know, like the last half is all hummed. And that was like one of the pieces that the person assigned me so I'm like doing it and I love that aria like it's just stunning great time so I finish 
And the teacher was also like the accompanist. And he goes, do you like humming? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's, it's humming. Like, I don't really feel like any particular sort of way about it. Like, yeah, sure. And then he's like, you know, you're really good at humming. And he's like, it's something that I think is important that we all learn is that I think the gist of his message was like, don't be really good at something that you don't want to do. That's hilarious. He was like, if you don't like humming, like, don't get even better at it because then people will hire you to do it and you won't like it. And <laughs> That's so weird. And it was like the weirdest advice ever. And I was like, but wait, I told you I did kind of like humming. So I'm just like, it was all sorts of weird. So there's my random side tangent. But back to our story. There's no way you could get through a 23 minute piece if there's no text. There's just no way. This dude, like, was flying by the seat of his pants. I'm actually kind of surprised he sang at all. He also, because he doesn't have the music, presumably he had no clue how long the piece was. That's so true. <gasps> That's so true. So he was just on the journey of his life. That probably felt like a six hour. <laughs> I can't even imagine something like that. I would honestly think I was being punk. That's so true. I didn't even think about the time. And the fact that it's really sparse, I would just genuinely, like, would, you would see, like, the single tear rolling down my cheek if that was me. But honestly, kudos to, to the person who submitted this and was able to focus on their part as best they could because I would just be so nervous. And I also want to know what the heck this conductor was thinking and how this kid actually stayed in the choir. Yeah, that's true. Like, I would kick that kid out so fast. I mean, even then, I guess it depends... Like, this is a new music choir, which is kind of specific. And my question is, like, why was that kid even there? Like, he clearly didn't care. Yeah, you can't really BS your way through a new music ensemble. That music is too yeah. tricky. Like, it requires way too much focus. I think that this person could get away singing, like, I don't know, if they were doing, like, some big Mozart piece or some big Brahms piece. It's very predictable the way that it moves. And usually it's like a bigger ensemble. So like you could probably BS your way through that. But like a sparse new music ensemble? Uh-uh. No way. That would be difficult even with music. I think I'd get really lost in a humming piece. Yeah, there's... I'm just... Okay, we got to move on. But that one just like shook me to the We're really so bad. on I'm humming. Like, this is going to haunt don't, me. <laughs> please don't send me DMs telling me how to hum. I did eventually figure it out. <laughs> Jesse, you've come such a long way. I'm so... <laughs> I really have. This is groundbreaking work. We can't get into this. Anyway, <laughs> let's do our next one. I love our next submission. I'm not going to say the emojis that are involved. <laughs> but there are many. But it's beautiful. <laughs> Hearing instrumentalists use vibrato in Baroque music. It did not exist. Yes, this is attacking the string players. <laughs> Short, sweet, and to the point. This is understandable, though. I, it's kind of weird to me that you would be doing Baroque music if you don't understand performance practice. I feel like this happens like uh, when people have like requirements to fill. Like, oh, I have my recital. I got to do something from the Baroque period. I guess I'll just kind of pick this, you know, and then don't necessarily spend the time with it. But it is very funny. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, using a using a romantic level of vibrato and Baroque music is like just weird, but. I think the other thing is like when you see ensembles that don't particularly have the training doing like Renaissance style, because that it's like you got to freaking know what you're doing. There's even like, I don't know, 
it's always seeing it's interesting seeing people play really early music like it's Brahms and you're like mm, yeah <laughs> I don't even necessarily mind that as long as you are doing it on purpose you know like if you wanted to take something like Brahms or Bach and really mess with it and play it play it in a bunch of different performance styles just to try it out I don't think I hold nothing sacred. Um, I was like, I but, think many people will disagree with you. <laughs> no, no. I, I would agree that, like, in a concert that would be off-putting. But I think it's fun to play with things and to stretch them and try them in weird ways. But, yeah, it, it would be wrong in, like, a concert of Bach music or something like that to do it. Yeah. I think, I guess, the thing is also that singers don't really hit Baroque music sometimes until a little bit later. Whereas I feel like instrumentalists, like, obviously, cellists... The most famous cello piece is by Bach, you know? Yeah, I was commiserating with the person that sent this in because I was genuinely cackling <laughs> when they submitted it. Also, I just deeply love this person. Literally don't even know them. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're so funny, though. In real life whatsoever, but every time they send us a DM, like, my heart flutters. So just know that I'm talking about you. You know who you are. And, and they said... <laughs> It always bugs me because, like, my orchestra will do that. And then he said, I one time, like, said something to our director, and he was like, modern technique, blah, blah, blah. And I just, like, I passed away. It was so funny. <laughs> modern technique. Blah, he was like, I blah, never get blah. it. Like, what, babe? Are you confused? Or, and I just, wow, much love. <laughs> this person is also, like, double blocked or, like, twice blocked by Anna Netrebko, so it's really tough to watch somebody else living your dream, oh. but we, we love Truly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyways. So, on a real note, and not just, like, funny musical pet peeves, this person said, real talk, one of my biggest pet peeves is when insecure people try to bring other people down by diminishing any success the other person has. For example, if someone says, wow, I made it into the next round of a competition, the other singer saying, yeah, I feel like they were really picking people based on blah, 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 blah. I mean, not even blah, blah made it to the second round. There are so many other passive aggressive examples, and I'm sure many singers have heard or done themselves. I hope we can start a movement about this honestly because it's so toxic and it exists in every professional career not just music and um amen that's a good point that is so 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 true i guess like i wasn't necessarily thinking of those types of pet peeves but this is honestly like good for you for bringing this up because this is huge and honestly this could be like an issues in opera episode of just toxicity in music and the way that we talk to other musicians you know yeah I like the example, too, because I think that's one of those kind of sneaky ones, because a lot of times we'll talk about competitions and we'll say like, oh, you know what? We already know this competition kind of prefers bigger voices, smaller voices, you know, more coloratura arias. Like we talk about competitions in those lights. However, to say it to the face of someone who's just made it to the next round is kind of a dick move. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think like, I think a lot of other things that we find annoying about music, like stem from this type of interaction. And I guess like, yeah, I think it does come from a place of insecurity. But yeah, it's just it's so interesting, because this person is so right, like all of us have had something like that happen to us or have done it ourselves and then like maybe caught ourselves later or like seen the reaction of the person we're talking to and then been like, ooh, yikes, sorry. Like, my bad. Didn't. That was bad. 
But that is, uh, it's it's such a good point because I think just to bring us all back to self-advocacy episode number one, there are a gazillion opportunities. And if you're unsatisfied with the opportunities you're getting, keep trying and make your own and be happy for others because music is super competitive. So when one of us is doing well, that's good. <laughs> Not bad. So yes. Amen. Yeah. We should do an uh, issues in opera literally on just this comment. Yes. <laughs> Inspired yeah. next episode. <laughs> so another one kind of in the similar vein. Um, when my understudy in cover thinks she's the lead. There is an art to being a cover or understudy. I feel this less with co- with covers. I think only because I've luckily only ever had lovely covers in the past. But I feel this in ensembles. <gasps> this is one of my personal pet peeves. <laughs> I'm going to try to not get too heated. Michelle but... hates ensembles. You heard it here. <laughs> no, I love ensembles. I actually enjoy being in the ensemble. But one of my biggest musical pet peeves is ensemble members who don't know their place. And this is what bugs <laughs> me more about more than covers, because at least like for covers. Sounds like such a diva move. Well, because like at least if you're a cover, like you are learning the role, right? Like you have that in your contract right so you have this giant extra set of responsibilities and usually you're also in the ensemble so you're really just doing like the most work but if you're just in the ensemble i can't tell you how many times i've watched people in the ensemble be so inconsiderate and rude to hair and makeup people to like stage hands like treating everybody like not only that they're the lead but like they're like (laughs) the best thing to ever walk into that theater, you know? And it's like, honey, you're in the ensemble. Not to say that you're not important, but you really need to be aware of what your role is and, like, where you fall on the totem pole. And, like, oh, this just bothers me so much. It's just such a lack of self-awareness that really just kills me. Yeah, there's really no excuse to be rude to the people backstage. I mean, that's that's... A hundred percent. I'll just never forget. I just have to share. I just have to be savage for just two seconds. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but I was in a show and I was, uh, you know, your good old standard dancing peasant, you know, as we all have been in the past. And we've all been a dancing peasant at least once in our life. Oh, yes. It's a it's, it's a great time. It's a great place to be. And everyone was lovely except for this one person who we had these like bonnets and all this stuff in our hair and she like you know we have like two hair people to take care of like a ensemble like for the women i don't know a cast of 15 yeah so there's definitely that expectation that it's kind of like do it yourself and go to the hair people if you need help right this girl had the expectation that these hair and costume people were literally going to do everything about her look and was constantly bugging them. Like, does my braid look good? Well, after act two, you're like, you know, I have to take my bonnet out. And like, all this stuff. And it just, I honestly, I'm shocked I'd never said anything. Because I was furious every single day of that show with this person. <laughs> and the hair and makeup people were so nice. And were trying just so hard not to snap. And I think everybody was aware that this was going on. And I honestly am shocked that I didn't just freak out. Because I hate that. I like I will not watch somebody treat makeup and costume people who already have way too much on their plate poorly. I hate that. Be better. Don't suck. I have been rude to hair and makeup people once. And that was because the girl who was doing my hair had no clue what she was doing. 
and she was ratting my hair because I have curly hair. And I was like, I will put the bun. It's like we were just doing like a donut bun thing. And I was like, I'm fine. I'll do it myself. <laughs> Please stop. Because she really was just ratting it. And I, I was like, I'm not going to let you wreck my hair for this show. I'm not going to let you like, I was like, I'm an ensemble member. I'm going to let you destroy half my hair. Mm-hmm. I feel justified, though. But this was in school, too. So our hair and makeup people were really just theater students getting hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorry to that girl, but also not sorry because I'm not going to let people wreck my hair. I think the other, like, really quick tangent is there's always somebody, <laughs> and this doesn't really have to do with, like, ensemble or leads, but, you know, somebody in some show always has a quick change. And I hate it when people are like, my quick change, my quick change. Like, but it's not a quick change. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this person's got like 10 minutes to get into their costume and it's like really not a big deal, but they're freaking the heck out, making it the most dramatic thing ever. And it's like, hun, see, you're fine. But I have a story about this one too. Same show with the, the hair destruction. Guy had one job, which was to bring my costume to the quick change place backstage before the quick change. A Very much a legitimate quick change. I have about, I don't know, uh, maybe a minute and a half before I have to be back on stage. So not crazy, crazy fast, but fast enough that I don't have time to go all the way to the dressing room, change, come back. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Because our dressing rooms are pretty far. And I get into the quick change room and I have no costume. (gasps) Once again, this is the only job for this man for this entire show. (laughs) I was enraged i don't think i've ever really i didn't take it out on him i said it's fine just get me the costume because he started walking when he realized he was late and like sprinted and we, i got on stage in time and I, I didn't chew him out for it because like there's no point there's no good that comes from being mad at him he made a dumb mistake but, but i don't think in the moment i've ever been so angry <laughs> well yeah i mean that's like a different type of situation truly quick changes when you actually have a real genuine quick change are super stressful Uh, 100% and you are like in every right to just be stressed and freaked out that I thought I was going to kill someone you don't miss your giant orchestral entrance but I'm talking about the people who like don't have a quick change but are treating it like a 10 minute quote unquote quick change is like a 60 second quick change you know what I mean but also side note quick changes are so trippy like I could literally have an episode on just quick changes. I'll never forget the like the craziest quick change I've ever had was in Dialogues of the Carmelites, where like Blanche walks off. I was in this huge gown. I had this crazy wig, like these fancy. I had this like freaking cape. Like I had all of these heavy costume pieces. There's like a quick interlude, and then I got to be out in my nun costume. And our nun costumes were, like, several pieces, heavy, just wild. And it was actually something we had to rehearse, like, several times. It was, like, that much. And I'll never forget, (laughs) like, having to walk off stage. And I literally had, like, I don't know, probably four or five, maybe even, like, six people who helped us with this quick change. And all they said is, just stand there and we'll do everything. So I just would stand there. And they would take the clothes off of me and then all of a sudden I'd be naked and then all of a sudden I'd be a nun. And it was the trippiest experience every single night at dress rehearsal to my other Blanche. She knows. <laughs> she knows how weird that was. And that's my story. Anyways, let's keep chugging along. 
You want to read this next one? This is another write-in. That there are so many female singers and not that many male singers. So I just sing male roles up an octave. And my five-year-old is so confused right now. I've had artificial beard hair stuck in my throat and the spirit gum that creates my beards causes me to break out. This one is a wild one. And I, I'm not <laughs> certain if this person works in opera or more on like the musical theater side of things. My guess would be the musical theater side because pants rolls are pretty well known. I kind of felt like I was in a fever dream reading this one. It's really like we start off at point A and somehow we're at point like G. Like, I just... yeah, I love I... this. Like, I, I would love to sing a bunch of male roles, to be honest. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, in my in my next life, I would hope to be a baritone. Uh, I want to be a bass. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. No one wants to be a tenor. <laughs> but like, yeah, that that one's uh, that one's really wild. Although I will say that spirit gum is an actual pain in the butt. Everything about it is bad. I want there to be more male singers so that male singers understand like the sheer level of competition that women go through. True. I wish we could even up the playing Because like field. for male singers, very often I hear people are like, I got into it later in life and like I love to sing. And for female singers, it's like, I've been dancing, singing, and acting since I was four years old. <laughs> I started in the womb. <laughs> um, no, that's really true. I tap danced my way into this world and I'll tap dance my way out of it. Yeah, no, I will never forget that one time, I think I shared it on our story a while back. I don't have the image on me, but I uh, applied to this one competition oh where they said the statistics yeah they sent us those statistics man and uh, i didn't ask for that i didn't want to see that and it definitely didn't make me feel any better um, but i got it i got a very lovely no thank you which was fine and they gave us the breakdown and it was like some ungodly number of sopranos it was like 200 like by far the largest category and then there were like 40 mezzos like a couple contraltos. But the thing that like shook me is there were like 12 countertenors and like two bases. And I was like, <laughs> how do we get more countertenors than bases? <laughs> what? But I think like the most, like even the tenors, like it was a small number. It was maybe 60. And that's generous. And there were like 200 sopranos. And I was like, great. <laughs> I feel awesome about being awesome. a high voiced female. <laughs> Great. Love that for me. Anyways, don't send the statistics. They're interesting, but they don't make me feel any better about my chances. <sighs> All right, take us into this next one, which is also a just absolute trip. I have a bone to pick with this one. <laughs> my biggest musical pet peeve is people who highlight their part in the music. Sure, highlight your entrance or if you move to a different part of the page, but coloring in the entire thing makes you look so stupid. What, can you not keep up with your part? Bye. Listen. Okay, re hold on, hold on. I just, I realized this morning that I'm incredibly stupid and I completely misinterpreted how this person meant it. <laughs> so on the very off chance that somebody is also stupid like me, I read this at first as like highlight as in like phrase, as in like make musical choices. And I was like, what? What? You just didn't read it as literally highlighter. I, I could not. My brain refused to, like, read it as, like, highlighter pen. My brain was like, bring 
something to of substance to the music and i was genuinely so confused and then i read it this morning and realized that they literally meant as in like highlighter pen and now i'm still angry but less confused (laughs) here's the thing i don't actually physically highlight like my music but i do highlight my words oh well wait do people highlight their notes because that would be heinous yeah that that i would understand but i think they mean like actually just highlighting your part of the music and you know what? I don't feel bad about it. Because guess what? It's my score and my music. I paid for it. If I want to mark my entrances, entrances with butterfly stickers, I'll do it. <laughs> I don't understand how what I do with my music bothers you. Yeah, I don't really get this pet peeve either. Everybody's just kind of got their own way of making sure they know what the heck is going on at any one given point. I like for sure, like I will highlight everything if I'm like in an ensemble number. There's just no way. When you have all these staffs, like, you have to know. Like, I don't know. It's just easy (laughs) if your stuff is highlighted. If I'm, like, the only person singing, like, an aria, no, I'm probably not going to highlight it. You know what I mean? I'm probably not going to highlight everything. But even if I do, like, you, it doesn't really matter. Like, what if there's, like, a long instrumental interlude and I just want to highlight when I come in again? Or, like, you know, sometimes you get scores where, like, the way that it's formatted is just kind of weird. And it's easy to just highlight it so that you know, like quickly where to look i don't don't really understand the beef with this that's what i'm saying like i look up all the time my goal is always to be as out of my music as possible which means when i do need to go back to it something's gone wrong so i need to find my part as quickly as possible and i'm not going to not highlight (laughs) I, i i guess like i said my other thing about this is it's someone else's score it literally doesn't affect you in any way Okay, the one thing that I will say is I think that there's a big difference in how I would mark and highlight, not to throw them under the bus, but a Shermer score versus like a recordy hardcover score. I, pr- I might not highlight in a recordy score. I might not want to do that. I, I could ki- I could kind of understand that logic because that's expensive and nice. I have a raceable highlighter. I know, but it's still like uh, <laughs> you you kind of wear down the page. Like I guess like the uh, I don't know. So I I could understand it in that type of context, but I think if you're yeah. <laughs> I think at the end of the day this person's pet peeve, the fact that this is this person's pet peeve is my pet peeve. <laughs> We've made a pet peeve out of this. Yes. <laughs> Stop looking at other people's scores. <laughs> Keep your eyes on your own music. <laughs> Oh, this one was funny. It was also just so aggressively sent to us. This is kind of like your weird problem of your inability to keep yourself out of other people's problems. Uh, So good. And then I would also say that, like, my other big pet peeve is uh, when you never hear back from yaps. This one to me is just rude. (laughs) This is the worst. Because we spend a lot of money doing auditions, right? Like, especially, like... I mean, there's one thing, it's like you send in like your $25 whatever, and then you like don't hear back. Okay, whatever. That's like, okay, got it. But like when you actually fly out to do an audition and you're like several hundred dollars in, in this investment, not saying that like you have to get it or you're entitled to get in the program, but like when you literally just never hear back, like not even a no, not even like an auto-generated email that's like, Thank you for participating. Unfortunately, like, we can't offer you anything, yada, yada. Like, I would so much rather appreciate that than just being ghosted after I spent hundreds of dollars. Like, that's just rude. 
It's so easy to set up an automated email for the people you're not choosing. Like, that's what gets me. Right? It's just not that hard. And honestly, I don't even mind. I don't even mind when I get the email that's like announcing the people who did get it. Like, even if you don't directly say, like, you didn't get it, I don't even care. It's fine. I just want some notification that, like, decisions have been made and it's not you. Because otherwise I just have to sit there and be like, I guess no. Well, yeah, and it's also just, like, not great to be, like, seeing other people accepting roles and you just, like, never got an email. You know what I mean? And you're just, like, that hurts way more than just getting, like, a, nope, sorry, maybe next time, automated email. Like, not even anything personal. Like, I would much rather have that than, like, see people accepting and, like, thrilled to announce, yada, yada, yada. And rather than, like, having people be like, oh, like, did you hear back yet? And I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, like, family, did you win the audition? And I'm like, I don't know. They ghosted me. We have no clue. Yeah, it's just constantly being ghosted. But also, I, I would agree with you. You know, we are paying to audition and i think that does entitle us to like the bare minimum of just the kindness of letting us know like are you interested in us or no like i'm not asking for like a full uh breakdown of why i wasn't chosen i just want a notification so i don't you know schedule other things yeah totally yeah that's the other thing is like when you have to make plans it's like i would like to know whether or not i need to think for the future on whether or not I'm going to be available July through August. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would like that mental preparation rather than just never knowing. Yeah. Uh. But there are definitely a lot of issues with yaps, and we're definitely going to start digging into that as we head into yap season. Oh, yaps. Um, I would say one of my biggest pet peeves over the, my years of singing has been bad or really last-minute scheduling for shows. I have been in multiple shows where I have not received the schedule of what we are rehearsing until like 11 p.m. the night before. That's the worst. It drives me insane. And it just doesn't like I guess the other thing is like we don't always rehearse things in order. So also sometimes I'm suddenly like, you know, I've been working on act one. But guess what? Tomorrow is a six hour rehearsal in act two. And it's just like, uh, oh, you know, and it's not like I can't adjust. It's just I... I want to have my brain in the right headspace. And then there's the thing we were talking about earlier where you end up in a rehearsal for like four hours because they didn't realize that you didn't need to be there. That's the worst. I hate that. I hate that so much. And like, I feel like this happens to ensemble way more than it does to like other leads. But like, it just kind of sucks to be sitting around because like, yeah, you can find things to do, especially, like, if you're in school, you can do homework and be doing other things. But also, like, it's loud, so doing homework is not really that great. And usually, like, people, like, everybody wants to avoid doing their homework, so people are talking and it's hard to really, like, get anything done. So you're just sitting there, you're already tired, like, it's just not a good time. And, like, whatever, it happens. When you have, like, a gazillion people in the show, like, yeah, things like that happen and it's fine, you move on. But, oh my gosh, I agree with you. Nothing is worse than when you don't know the rehearsal schedule for the next day until, like, midnight. That drives me crazy. Yeah, because because at that point, there's no time to prepare. No, there's no time to prepare. I can't go to sleep before I have that. I'm sure people can just, like, fall asleep and then see what they have in the morning. But I am not that person. I have to know. So if they don't send out the schedule until, like, 1230 or 1 a.m., like, guess what i'm staying up because i gotta know what i need to look over you know like i just yeah 
hate that. It definitely hate gets that. better outside of school because in school the problem is, and the reason I think these happen so late is because they're just constantly trying to balance everyone's schedules. And, you know, with music students, everybody's in an ensemble. Everybody's, you know, got different classes. So some people have evening classes, but some people don't. You know, it's just always all over the place. Totally. Oh, this is why I love stage managers, man. They're working harder than all Bless of us. Bless you, stage managers. Oh this God. is not about you. This is just about the difficulties of not knowing what you're about to do. Oh, our Lord and Saviors. Honestly, if it weren't for our stage managers, we wouldn't even have a rehearsal schedule like until we were walking into rehearsal. <laughs> oh, no. 100% uh, not. So we love. Oh, God. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Well, now that I'm properly <laughs> stressed... We hope uh, you guys had fun with this pet peeve episode. Honestly, these are all just really lighthearted. And there are so many weird and funny and ridiculous things that come with being a musician. And I think if anything bonds us, it's uh, commiserating over those facts and just laughing about the ridiculous things that are involved with uh, doing what we do. Yeah, you know, (laughs) musical life is stressful. There are going to be things that get on our nerves. Even things that don't concern us, like how other people highlight their music. And (laughs) (laughs) no, I'm just for the person who said that in, I'm I'm just messing with you. But it's always good to share and it's always a lot of fun. So if you have a pet peeve, send it to us. We'd love to read it. They crack us up. They make us talk to each other about all the weird and crazy parts of being a musician. And we'd love to hear more from you guys. You can contact us on Instagram, that's at Opera Offstage, same for Facebook, or you can always write into us on our website, which is opera-offstage.com. Like I said, we love to hear from you guys, and we'd of course love for you guys to be involved in our next big write-in episode, so please go follow us on those. And then please, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, it's super duper helpful, really helps people to find us and boost our rankings, and we love you guys for it. So, thank you very much, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.